Hi, this is Chris from the Inspired Life Podcast. Really want to thank you for favoriting my station and uh, hope to provide you some valuable content. Anytime you want to call in, questions, comments, feel free. And um, yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate that. Hi, this is Halsey Mark. So um, well, I don't know if anybody else is interested on Anchor FN. I'm doing um, a bit on my show. I know I'm UK based, but I'm willing to um, give it a go. Uh, so if you're interested, please just give me a call in and say you're interested. Or I am available on Facebook as Mark Anthony Rains, aka Ghostman. And you can leave a message on there if you want to know and out more. Uh, thank you for listening to my show. Please be part of the journey. I'd like to interview some people on Anchor FM because I think it'd be good to do a cohabitative broadcast. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the Whole Season Mark Show. The following was a talk to of Deborah Hartwell of the British Built Bigfoot Sightings. Thank you. 
um, that were from Wales, I think. They were Celts, and they were described as hairy giants that lived in the woods. But actual newspaper reports um, would come in around about 1890s, the 1900s, we started reporting beasts in the woods that were taking sheep or were the, the wild men of Yellow who were supposedly, I think most people know this time, a young maid um, was surprisingly pregnant and she said to the judge that it was the wild men of Yellow, Your Honour, that made me pregnant. Um, so that was the first newspaper report, really. And then around 1927, we have the 40s Society getting interested in reports and looking for them. Uh, you have, I think then we have um, an account there from around 1927. It's the first one where a person actually goes to the newspaper and says, I saw something running away in the woods that looked like a monkey and it looked like a man. And I'm not really sure what to call it. It kind of looked like a caveman. So from then on, they were called big hairy men. And you'd look for, when you looked first looking for British Bigfoot reports, you had to look for big hairy men reports. And that changed again then with, with fashion. And we now use the word Bigfoot, which I don't think is the correct word, but it helps people get in touch with the subjects, if you get what I mean. It's a name that they recognise, and they can, if I said that we were out there looking for woodwoofs, people would have no idea what I was talking about. But until up to the 18th century, that was the name for the wild one in the UK was named the Woodwoofs. Do you believe it's either a constant ape or an early form of man that never developed? There are many theories into what he is, Mark. Um, and I'll be honest, my opinion has changed over the years. I at first thought it was an ape and we were looking for no more, no less than an ape. I don't believe that anymore, but we have to keep that theory because people are researching it in that way. Um, I believe that he's some form of early hominid um, along the Heidel Homo, Heidel Begensis, the Gastus. Way. 
as we would have been as cavemen, as early tribes in the UK, you're incredibly connected to your area and the place that you live and you keep in your tribe. Um, and I, I think it's something like a, 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 an ability that they have that we maybe had a long time ago and have forgotten about because um, it's a big ask. I'm asking people to believe that they are wild people living in the UK right under our noses, coming very close to towns. Um, and that's understandable that most people say, do not, don't be ridiculous. You know, this is absolutely ridiculous. And it felt like that on scene one, that it was ridiculous. And I tried to prove to myself that I didn't see it in every way that I can. And I can't, um, I saw it and that's what I was left with. And there was nothing else that I could do other than try to work out what it was and how I could have seen it and where would it live. And it was in trying to answer these questions that I've come to the understanding that there are about 500 people in the UK that have seen a similar or exactly the same description. The description runs the same, whether they report it as a Bigfoot, a caveman, um, a wood moose. It doesn't matter what the name is in the description. It's around about seven feet in height. It looks like a cross between a man and an ape. It's completely covered in hair. It's naked. Um, and nine times out of ten, it runs off. Um, when it's approached by a human being, it will run off. The worst things that are reported are trees will be shaken, a big noise will be made, to, like a distraction technique will be made, a bush charge like a gorilla or something like that, are the worst things that are reported. Um, do you think, like, the Amer Americans, like, um, they would like to actually... Some would like to actually capture one, you know, like either on film or have it in person. Yeah, I think they would. I think they would. Uh, I think there's some Brits that would like that as well. Um, I think as humans, and I'm only speaking from my experience, if we don't understand something, we tend to fear it. So, like the monsters of old, if you saw something like that, you. you, you there's a great deal of people saying there are monsters out there in the woods and we need to go and kill them. And then you have the other branch that are saying, well, to protect them, we need a DNA sample, um, which is ridiculous to me because we don't need to kill an animal to understand that that animal is out there. And we don't need to kill a man from the Amazon to know that there are tribes out there in the Amazon that we haven't come across. I think it's a human thing we have to understand. So to understand, we must trap them, which is never going to happen. Um, we must set up all this elaborate camera equipment because we will get them on camera. That hasn't happened in the last 60 years. It's just, well, 50 years, I'm wrong, Anna. Patek was 50 years ago. There has been no... Um, these creatures are elusive and will stay away. But what do they have to gain by showing themselves to a human? Nothing other than trouble. So why would they? Chris Turner... Um, and I'm quoting him wrong, but he said it himself. They must see some terrible things that human beings do, and no wonder they choose to live elusively. And that's the difference. They choose to live away from us. So what right do we have to go in and claim a body? And people will say to you, Mark, well, we need to do this because... We need to set land aside for them. We don't need to kill them to set land aside for them. We just have to accept that they're there 
And then we'd set one aside for him. It's quite simple. If what we're talking about is an early hominid, their DNA would be incredibly close to ours. So this is just my personal theory. There's some of the DNA samples that come in where they say it is strange, but it's been contaminated by humans because it's coming back as 94% human or 96% human. That might be a genuine DNA result, and we are just poo-pooing that and pushing that aside. But I am not a DNA expert, and that's not for me to say. But there are people like Alison Wilkinson who is working on the DNA line here in the UK. Um, what do you, what, what's your opinion on that, Mark? What do you think? Do you think we need a body? No, I, I think it's like, it's a bit like, um, I, 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 I'm really comparing it to aliens, but the same principle. Mm. If you find one, you're going to probe it, you're going to dissect it, yeah. and, it and then you, and then the mythology's all gone. I think we all need a bit of mythology. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, do, I agree. I think that even if I got one today and I dragged it kicking and screaming to the BBC, 99% of people out there would still say that I was hoaxing. In the same way that if you walked into the TV studio with an alien, you would not be believed. There isn't ever going to be a way that we can prove that they're here because it's a personal acceptance. So I know they're here because I've seen one, but I can't convince anybody else that I've seen one. I can only convince myself that I'm okay, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I had a lady that came forward 25, 30 years later and contacted an American journalist and said that actually I remembered everything that thing as a kid, and I should have come forward then because I saw it two years later. And now I'm a lady in my 60s, I feel incredibly bad that I didn't come forward. So I had some form of validation. And there are other accounts in my area of people, the latest one being in 2016. So for me, I'm very lucky. I'm not the only person in the area that's seen it. But I was still ridiculed, and I'm still ridiculed to this day. Um, but I know that other people have seen it too, and I'm okay with that. I expect people not to believe me, and I'm fine with that. I have a very thick skin. I've had to grow one. It's the other people out there that are on their own that worry me, that have seen this, this, this um, I keep saying creature, and it's the wrong word. They've seen this figure and not known where, where do you go with that, who do you tell? I told my parents I wasn't believed. Um, I told other adults, if they go to an adult or a teacher, don't they? And I did, and I was not believed. I was told off for making up stories and things like that. And I was absolutely terrified because I was 15. I saw something so frightening that you don't want to hear from your parents. Well, we don't believe you. I thought, are my parents lying? And there are actually monsters out there and they just don't tell us. Because that's a scary thought. Or is it even worse than that? Do they not know? Have they got no clue? Is everybody else around here got no clue about what's running around in that park? I thought he was going to come and get me for about 20 years. But it's only... It's the unknown, isn't it, that made me scared? Well, I'm a great believer in... Um, that bit behind everything there's a truth because that's why we've got the legends of um like in horror films like um there's always a, a, an element of truth all right they've been exaggerated but everything's exaggerated the bible's exaggerated it's a tale of a tale of a tale 
You know what I mean? I, I agree, yeah, I agree exactly. Where do our story, if you take it from the realm of stories, there are regional names for them. Why would we have a regional name for something that doesn't exist? So, in areas of the northeast, they are called the Geet, meaning great, as in a big giant thing. In places in Scotland, they are called the Big Ginger Ra, or the Big Grey Man of Ben MacDew, or the, the Wild Man of Yalom. And then we have other names for them, like Bull Beggar and the Leathermen. Bigfoot sightings.com 
and you can look at anywhere in the UK. It also has a researcher's map on there, um, and that's so that if you're interested in the subject or would like to know more about the subject, you can contact a researcher in your area, and they will either take you out with them or chat you with you online and explain to you what they do and what they find. Because there aren't, it isn't just me, Mark. There is. I would have given up a long time ago if there wasn't other evidence coming in. And this is where America becomes very important in Canada. So the reason I made the website is I want to see if we are finding the same things here in the UK that they are finding in America, in Canada, in Russia, in, in France, in Europe. And we are. We are finding the same kind of structures. We are getting a similar kind of footprint. We are getting the same witness statements. And this is happening all across Europe. And I've been incredibly lucky to be in touch with Iger Bertseb. Um, some people know him from the story of Zana, which was the Russian wild woman. And he has studied hominids for at least 60 years in Russia. Um, and there is nothing that man does not know about the Russian wild man. And we both had a similar idea that if we're saying that they're in Russia and they are in the UK, then we have to accept that they should be in the land between the two. So if we're talking that at the stage where we were all connected before... land and we broke apart. Um, when hominids spread across the world, we should be getting reports from Holland, um, Denmark, the Baltic states, France, we should be getting them. So Iber has been collecting them and they are out there and they are coming in. And I've kind of branched out a little bit into Europe as well and I'm getting European accounts coming in. And it's a similar seven foot hairy, looks like a caveman, lives in the woods makes leaves and arches and footprints and runs away on seeing of a human. Um, and those reports are everywhere. There will be listeners out there who've probably had an experience and put it down to the spiritual realm. Stones thrown at them in the woods, running footsteps, a bleating figure that you can't really work out what it is. I've had um, accounts come in of a big cat. And I've asked them to describe the cat, and they have said, well, it looked like a human and a monkey, and it didn't have a tail. And I said, well, why did, why did you report it as a big cat? And they said, well, what else can it be? It must be a big cat, because there isn't anything else in the UK. But what they're describing is an incredibly muscular, seven foot, eight-looking big cat. So the pro one of the problems that we have is people don't know what they're seeing. Then you have the problem is, where do you report it to? Because the police won't take your report seriously. And there are reports that go to the police. The newspapers probably won't take your report seriously. I've never seen a, a witness treated nicely in a newspaper, I'll be honest. Um, there's me and there's a spattering of others that will take your report and, and talk to you and say, well, actually, yeah, that happened to me. That was exactly the same. I felt the same. I saw the same kind of thing. And there's quite a club of us now. Hence, getting back to the website. So that's why I put the website together. So for anybody who doesn't, who does want to get into the research, but a little bit dubious about people knowing, it is a private chat box. You can go in the chat there and you can ask me anything you like. And you would have to be a member to see that chat. But people are tending to use that 
And then once they find their feet on, they find confidence, a little bit of confidence. They're not bothered. YouTube channels are going up, which is fantastic. Blogs are going up. Facebook groups are going up. We're really getting together. People are working with the Woodland Trust. People are working with the bushcrafters, uh, with people out camping, trying to find reports, and they are coming in. Um, from the bushcrackers. Um, the witnesses range from policemen to average grandmas like myself. There is nothing, there's nothing separating us other than we are all different types of life, from different backgrounds, different educations. We are all seeing this strange, hairy figure running away. Well, it's been very informative, that. Eh? Um, as I say, um Hopefully people will listen and not prejudge, and, but that's up to them, as you mentioned before. Uh, but that's why I'm fascinated by the subjects of Bigfoot and big cats and UFOs and all that like that, because it's so fascinating. You can't get such, you can't get all that many witnesses and not see, know nothing. I think, yeah, it's a fast, for me, I, I, because I take the witness reports, and I've just been counting actually, and I think we've got 489. Now, you don't listen to 489 descriptions without starting to notice a pattern. And I started to notice a pattern way back in the 90s that people were reporting similar things. So, I thought, well, I'll, 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 I'll put them on the map. Back then, I had a bag of leather and something like that, Mark. I thought, I'll put them on the map, and then one day, I may be able to work out what county they're actually in. 35 years on, they're everywhere. They're from the tip of the UK, to the toe of the UK. Scotland is an, an area that has a lot of accounts. Um, and I think it's understandable because of the area and the habitat and the vast wilderness. There are a lot of accounts in, in Scotland. Panic Chase and the Staffordshire Canal seem to have a lot of accounts on them for some strange reason. And Devon is one that always puzzled me because when accounts come in in Devon, they always come in as werewolves or wolf-like creatures. But when I talk to them about it, they don't mention ears on the top of the head. They don't mention um, a snout or like a dog-like appearance. They say, no, it looks human or it looks like an ape. So I think it just might be that I don't know the regional name. years ago um, and I don't I, I just don't know it seems it's the same on the coast of Ireland on um, a certain coast of Ireland when the reporters come in they get reported werewolves or wolves and I'm unsure if that's just that that's the only thing that we can think of that it could be that's upright and running and covered in hair to the area as well because Devon's very much to do with um, the magic and things like that same as Ireland yeah, the, yeah the, the, and, and that interests me because Merlin was a man that lived in the woods. And uh, there are accounts of him being hair coming out of Merlin. There's a lot of people doing um, some research going as far back as they can into the old stories to see if they can... Because there has, there has to be a history of this thing. He must have been mentioned... You know, before 2017, we, this is one way that we think that we might be able to prove it. One of the things that I'm working on is our early foraging routes. We in the UK had a sex system of foraging.
foraging routes that we were normally between field and coast. Um, because then you double your food sources. And we tended to use the same routes over hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. I found on mapping the accounts that they tend to follow those foraging routes. As if something was still using those foraging routes. They also seem to be that the sightings correlate with things like standing stones and uh, Stonehenge, for example. There are an awful lot of accounts at Salisbury um, and Stonehenge. Um, is it because they've always been there? Is it uh, um, something that you recognise? So is it a place, is it the energy of the place that they are attracted to? Are they using that energy in some way? That's where my research is going. I want to go down that route. Um, I tend to use my dowsing rods, so I'll use a pendulum. So if there's anyone working out there that works with energy and has no interest in the British Bigfoot whatsoever, if you'd be happy to go to a sighting area for me and check the, uh, the, the energy out in that area, that'd be a massive help to me because I can't go to every site in the UK where there's been an account. Um, but I think it's something to do with energy lines and ley lines. And that's, like I say, that's where my interest holds now. So that's the way my research will go. I will always continue to work with the this, and I'll do whatever I can to put people together. But I think the ley lines and the earth shield and the magnetics have something to do with these accounts. Yeah, it's quite a big subject as well, because... Uh Ley lines are quite a thing for Britain, isn't it? Obviously, it might be elsewhere. I'm not saying they're not elsewhere. But it's more recorded over here. And it's, I, I let overlaid the maps. I overlaid the map for um, the ley lines onto the British Bigfoot map. Um, and there is kind of a correlation. It's not perfect, uh, by no means. On areas where lots and lots of ley lines meet, lots and lots of sites are. Forest of Bowling, for example, most people who know that ley lines will know that a lot of ley lines converge at Bowling. Forest of Bowling has a lot of accounts leading into it and from it. Because if we're saying that this creature is, is flesh and blood like us, you're not always going to be in one place for the rest of your life, are you? You have to move to find food sources and habitat and places to stay. So we have to, I always say to people, don't go to the area on the map where they're going to fight it. That creature, that figure, that person had to have walked in and walked out. And you should be looking along those areas as well. Um, and anybody that's interested in nature can get into this subject. People that are interested in energy can get into this subject. If you're interested in the paranormal, jump on board and join us. It's, it's something that everybody can get involved in. It, it entails just going out in nature. You don't have to go to the middle of the wild. You can go to a small wood close to home. Um, I think that getting out in nature more, whether you're a Bigfoot researcher or not, can't do you any harm, can it? And no, no. You know, and I've been shocked. I've heard some statistics this year that have shocked me. I thought that everybody was like me and you, and they were always out in the woods, or they were... And people have, people have said to me, oh, I've never been in the woods. And I've said, what, you've, you've never...
never been in a wood? No, I've never thought of going for a walk in the woods. Well, it's out there and it's on our doorstep and it needs protecting. And to do that, we have to get people interested in it, don't we? Yeah, we, have to get, we have to get people saying, well, actually, no, I like going to that little wood. I take my grandchildren to that little wood. They have a lot. I don't want you to sell that and build a car park on it because that's happening all across the UK. Where we have accounts of wild men, we have lots of little woods that are being sold by the government to be built on. And the more we build, the less land they and we have. Um, and I think by getting into this subject, it, it gives you an outlook on what's out there, what animals are moving through an area, what the seasons, uh, how a season affects an area. Some areas can be as quiet as anything in the day and come alive tonight and vice versa. So we say to people, choose one little one close to home and visit a lot. So you, you notice that things are changing within that wood. Um, and that's always a good place to start. And there are a lot of people in the paranormal realm who are now saying, well, actually, I've been out on a night investigation. I'll give you a prime example. Weirdale in the northeast. We have a paranormal group of Weirdale who've gone into the woods and they've been shouting and whooping and banging on the trees and we're quite shocked to hear banging on the trees coming back at them. So because they thought that it was ghosts, they carried on banging. Well, they got quite frightened because the banging noises surrounded them and came closer and closer and closer. At which point the team decided to get back to the tent and leave it for the next day. They went out with the day, everything was absolutely fine, there was no problem, nobody felt anything. It comes at night time and the knocking starts again. And it absolutely terrified them. On walking out, they see a tall, upright, human, hairy covered caveman, as they described it to me, walking away through the trees. And I said to him, because I didn't want to bias him, what do you think happened that night? And he said, I think I saw the ghost of a caveman. But in my head, I thought, you've done what the American Bigfoot tells you to do. Get out there and bang on trees and whoop and howl and make all these ridiculous noises so that you will agitate something in the wood and annoy it and it will show a show of shen. And then you can say, well, fantastic, you know, look, we've got some howl on tape and upset them that much that they've thrown things at us. Um, what's happened is you've gone into an area and you've had a warning. If you're in an area and you hear a knock on a tree, that is a human alarm. That is a, a noise that they will make between themselves to say there is a human in the area. Um, and then if you're running through and you're whooping and you're hollering and you're making an aggressive amount of noise, it's not shocking that that will be seen as a threat in some way. So a lot of these reports go lost uh, in the paranormal, but now paranormal groups are going, well actually I might really look at this in a different way. So what I say is go back in the day, go back to the wood where you have the scary experience at night and go back in the day and see if you see any of the signs that were spotted. Because it might be that you've had interaction without realising it as lots and lots of people do. Right, that's good. I think we should wrap it up now. Um, I thank you very much for doing this for me. I do appreciate it. I know I'm busy. Anytime, anytime, Mark. Anytime you want me to come back and have a chat, that's absolutely fine. Well, thank you very much for this. Bye then. You're